Welcome to Therapeutic Approach to Growth with your host, Brooke Wagner. Each week, this program will focus on interests and expertise pertaining to special needs individuals and their families. We'll help you open up and connect while sharing powerful information. Now, here is Brooke Wagner. Welcome, everyone, to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. I am host, Brooke Wagner. Our goal of the show is to offer support, resources, and most importantly, hope to the special needs community. And today, I have with me Megan Treza, educational therapist, dyslexia specialist, and founder of La Jolla Learning Works. And we will be discussing dyslexia, including how it presents itself and the types of supports available for students with this diagnosis. So welcome, Megan. Thank you, Brooke. I'm so excited to be here today. This is really fun. I'm really excited to be here. And um, before we begin, I have to wish you a happy birthday. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I didn't know that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Um, It's such a treat to have you here on your birthday. And I'm so excited to learn more about your programs and dyslexia and just to be able to share this with our listeners. And I know it's a really important topic and one that we haven't talked about on the show yet. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited to be here too. And I've been wanting to do your show for a while. So I think it's perfect that it falls on my birthday. Yeah, so fun. Okay, well, let's start with your background. I want to make sure we um, share a little bit about your about your background. I love that you have a, a really interesting journey that you were on um, starting La Jolla Learning Works, and I want to hear uh, more about it and have you share that with our listeners. Sure, I'd love to share. So I got into teaching um, right out of college, but I didn't have the idea of wanting to be a teacher. Um, I actually went to UC Berkeley, and I studied poli-sci and economics, um, but what I did on the side was mentoring kids and working in philanthropy activities that were involved in education. And so with that passion, I got into Teach for America right out of college. And so I was working in inner city L.A. and teaching first grade to a class of English language learners. And what I found was this really strong passion for helping kids that had these different challenges, like being a second language learner at first grade, where you're acquiring your basic skills in reading, writing, math, and just learning how to be a student and function in the classroom. And that was a two-year commitment. And while I was part of that program, I was enrolled in a master's program at Loyola Marymount University and studied education um, with a focus on English language learners, which involves a lot of more um, multi-sensory strategies with reading and writing, especially with that language focus. And so when I got out of that program, I knew I had this passion for helping kids, um, especially those that had these unique challenges. Um, I, I didn't love being in the school system and dealing with you know different barriers in a public school. And I found myself back at home in San Diego and working in a private tutoring center. Um, And what I found there was that the kids that were coming in for, say, homework help or, you know, just needing a little help with writing or math, they they usually had something else going on beneath the surface that was getting in their way. And I wanted to know more about that and how to help them more specifically. And so that's where I found educational therapy. And I pursued a certificate program in educational therapy and got involved with the International Dyslexia Association Mm -hmm. and ended up being on their board of directors for seven years, including serving as president. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went out and opened up La Jolla Learning Works in 2009 as my my own learning center um, with the mission of really helping those kids that have different learning challenges um, related to reading, writing, math, executive function skills, and sometimes just the anxiety or emotional challenges that come along with learning. 
Oh, that's wonderful. It's so amazing to hear everybody's journey and how they got to where they are and, you know, what life brings you and, you know, where you are today and helping all these kids and this way. And it's a wonderful thing and and just a neat process to, you know, hear about. Definitely. And, you know, it's one of those things that makes a lot more sense looking back than it did going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I connect the dots, you know, I was always interested in helping kids and doing tutoring, even as like a classroom peer in elementary and middle school. Mm -hmm. And then my sister actually had some learning challenges as well Um, and in high school was diagnosed with ADHD and a reading disorder and and that really got in her way and so it it hits me on a real emotional and personal level too when I'm helping these kids of wanting to see them circumvent the challenges that my sister faced Mm -hmm. Um, but now she's been able to be a real success so I have that you know, bright side of the story too, to help parents see that there's so much potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the right supports and the right care, you know, they can overcome these obstacles. Absolutely. I know you see that a lot too here at TAP. Yes, we do. And then we, you know, we share that passion, really helping the kids and getting to the source of the problem. Absolutely. So now let's spend some time talking about dyslexia. Um, I'd love to have you share what it is and how it presents itself with itself with the students that you support. Sure, sure. Well, one thing I found in working with the International Dyslexia Association, what really sparked my passion was that there was so much um, just misunderstood about dyslexia mm-hmm. that was out there in, you know, the general media and the general population. But what was even more scary to me was what was so misunderstood by teachers mm-hmm. and even reading specialists and the people that are working with kids um, who have these issues in the schools as reading or uh, resource specialists as well, mm-hmm. um, even the school psychologists, you know. So I found that right in the system where the kids were supposed to be getting help, there was a lot that was misunderstood. Um, when it gets to the heart of dyslexia, you're talking about a language processing challenge mm-hmm. that comes from what they call the phonological component. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a region of the brain mm-hmm. that deals with putting together um, our symbols, so our letters and the sounds that we have and being able to work with those with such fluency and, you know, just kind of quick automatic processing that you don't have to put any mental energy towards thinking about that. And you can think about the meaning of what you're reading or mm-hmm. the meaning of what you're writing. So for kids with dyslexia, that phonological component is very weak mm-hmm. and they're not able to fluently read or spell words. And that means that then they're not able to fluently read text as a whole or mm-hmm. get their ideas out in writing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And um, now I'd love to have you share more about um, what causes it. So as far as what causes dyslexia, I mean, it really stems from differences in the brain. And, you know, there's different schools of thought around it, but we really see a lot of it stemming from hereditary differences. And I love the term that um, Marianne Wolf at, at Tufts University, who studies a lot about reading and dyslexia, um, she has a term called cerebrodiversity. Mm-hmm. And it's her way of explaining that the world is supposed to have different types of people mm-hmm. that serve different purposes. And that means we all have different brains. Mm-hmm. And so the brain of somebody who has dyslexia has different ways of processing language that actually lend to other strengths. Mm-hmm. And so in school, of course, it makes for lots and lots of difficulty. But in the real world, these are individuals who have, you know, lots of gifts and talents that they can bring great benefit to the society as a whole. 
No, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I want to make sure that we um, touch on that um, in terms of, you know, the many gifts that they bring to the society. And I think that's so important that we value and appreciate every individual, you know, for who they are and, and you know, continue to help them overcome their obstacles, but also celebrate who they are. Absolutely. You know, and see that as, you know, a strength as well. Right. And it's hard to see it as a strength when you're just struggling in school. And mm-hmm. so much of school is reading and writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of what we see in the students when they're coming to us at our learning center is the emotional consequences right. of struggling day in, day out, being in school and, you know, feeling like they're just ineffective because they mm-hmm. can't get things done like the other kids can get done. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see kids with depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. it's horribly sad to see kids as young as kindergarten or first grade that are saying things like, I'm stupid, I'm mm-hmm. dumb, I don't know how to do what other kids know how to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's where we really want to help. And we know that there are effective ways to help them get over that. Right. And that's such a gift that you're giving those kids and such a blessing to be able to offer that to them and show them that you know, they just need to shift things and how they're looking at it and yeah. and see that there are some you know benefits as well. And then you're, they're going to get help. Too. Right. Right. And not to diminish its hard work. Right. But that there are effective ways to work through it. It, mm-hmm. it just it is like you said, it's a blessing to be able to help those kids and help those families because mm-hmm. it puts a lot of stress on the family as a whole, too. Oh, I can imagine that's got to be heartbreaking, you know, as a parent, seeing your child struggle in that way yeah. at such a young age. And a lot of these parents, too, uh, relate because they had similar struggles. So it's painful for them to see that come mm-hmm. up again for their own child and mm-hmm. you know to think of it being something that they gave to their child. So if they can work with us and we can give their child you know, brighter opportunities and mm-hmm. help them struggle so much less, mm-hmm. um, it really helps the whole family. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, now, do all of your students come to you with a diagnosis? Not necessarily. Um, We see kids at a lot of different stages. So we do get referrals from educational and neuropsychologists who do testing. Mm -hmm. Um, We get kids that are referred to us by parents, usually through word of mouth. And some of them come with IEPs. And sometimes the school district does do the testing and they come up with um, what they'll call a specific learning disability that affects reading or spelling. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, would be, you know, interpreted as dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Um, Dyslexia is more of like the... um, common language term for what can be, you know, more scientific, you know, diagnosis. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes the parents just come to us and they have no idea. And they just say, you know, my child's struggling in reading or my child doesn't like reading or, you know, I know homework takes my child so much longer than their sibling or their friends. Um, So yeah, a lot of it can be just, you know, the signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. and we'll just work on that problem. Um, we do, you know, basic assessments of academic skills. So if we see enough warning signs, mm-hmm. we'll refer those families out for further testing. But a lot of it comes down to just really weighing what the purpose is for the family and sometimes mm-hmm. just getting the help and fixing the problem is enough. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure they, they are so appreciative of that support and, and having somebody that understands what's really going on oh, yeah. with their child. Um, now, I know I've heard you talk about various methodologies um, that are used for dyslexia, and I'd love to have you share um, in more detail what they are and what they entail. Sure. So the the main theory around how to teach kids with dyslexia came out of um, a man named Samuel Orton and um, his partner, Anna Gillingham. So we have a program that's called Orton-Gillingham. And that now is the main methodology for how you teach kids with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. 
So you hear that term a lot, Orton-Gillingham, and that's what parents should be looking for when they're looking for a program to work with a child with dyslexia or an individual to help. Um, They want to know that that person has a background in Mm Orton-Gillingham training methodology. What that means, um, what what does Orton-Gillingham mean? So Orton-Gillingham is um, a way of teaching, reading, and spelling where you're looking at the phonemes, so the individual sounds in our language, Mm -hmm. and the symbols, and teaching those really systematically in a structured way where the student gets to interact with those more than just on a page. Mm-hmm. So things like having a child write letters in the sky. So they're moving their hand, they're mm-hmm. visualizing mm-hmm. Um, or having them will do something called tapping where they'll tap on their fingers for the different sounds that they hear in a word and they're getting mm-hmm. a motor connection mm-hmm. with each sound. So some people, you know, just hear the word cat and they can isolate and identify the k but for someone with dyslexia, that might be harder for them to break apart those sounds. So that's where giving them something concrete to hold on to really helps. Um, it could be even just that they're tapping and touching the table, just something that gives them a sensory connection. Um, and then getting beyond that very basic level of teaching the phonemes, the sounds, the symbols, and the blending, um, we want to make sure that there's a connection to the applications of you know reading fluency and comprehension. And then on the writing side, of course, that they can then take that ability to spell and connect it with other words that they're, you know, learning more as sight words that they're memorizing and put it together into sentences. Wow, it's a very complex process. (laughs) It is. There's a lot to it. And that's why, you know, it's important to have the methodology because it'll give you a a sequence Mm -hmm. and it gives you the structure to follow so that you're not missing anything. And that's what I found, you know, can be a problem with reading programs that aren't Orton-Gillingham based Mm -hmm. is that they might be missing certain components and be oversimplified in certain areas. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. So what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're kind of systematically going step by step each area um, that needs to be kind of evaluated and worked on Mm -hmm. and then increasing the challenge as you go. Absolutely. And then hopefully that's all going to be integrated together. Yep. So that's the idea is with a good Orton-Gillingham program. And the one that we use at the center is called the Wilson Reading System. Mm -hmm. And so you start with basic symbols and sounds. So we start with short vowels. Mm-hmm. and consonants mm-hmm. and building simple syllables and then those become more complex syllables and we teach more advanced rules for say you know long vowels and different mm-hmm. vowel sounds and mm-hmm. what do you do when words have endings that aren't really straightforward in their phonetics mm-hmm. so just teaching all those different principles mm-hmm. now do you when you start a child or a student in this program um, do you uh, test them to determine where they're going to start or do they all start at the same place So it depends on what kind of testing they've had in their background. Sometimes we can use testing that's done before Mm -hmm. um, to give us an idea of what they need. But typically we do start them all around the same place. Mm -hmm. So some will need a little extra work on just cementing the sounds in the language before you start adding the symbols. Mm -hmm. So that can be that's more of an auditory processing side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And others know the symbols Um, you know, more or less, but haven't connected those with the sounds. Mm -hmm. And so we'll work with them on, you know, just getting more familiar with the symbols. Um, If they have those baselines, then we just jump right into the the blending and the rules. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the program itself um, has assessment built in at every step. So we can individually pace it and make sure that the child has, you know, progressed and gotten enough practice Mm -hmm. at each level before moving on. 
Oh, that's wonderful. And um, is there, uh, is this the type of program where you need to do um, kind of maintenance work um, or do the students kind of graduate from it? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we do see students that essentially will graduate and it depends, of course, on the severity of the dyslexia and, you know, how complex their dyslexia is. It can affect different areas and different individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of them work through the program relatively quickly Mm -hmm. and graduate in a sense, and Mm -hmm. they go on to do just fine. Mm -hmm. For others, they don't need so much of a maintenance on what we've taught them Mm -hmm. because we really are rewiring their brain and their Mm -hmm. brain then will function in a different way for Mm -hmm. reading. Mm -hmm. But they may have different challenges that come down the line. So kids that we see early on for reading may come back to us in later elementary school for help with writing Mm -hmm. or they may come to us in middle school or high school for help with study skills Mm -hmm. so that's you know we can help them with assistive technology so the different aspects of what we can help them with at different stages yeah that makes a lot of sense and um you know it does kind of i can see how you know if they had this breakdown in the reading area that um they could also that could lead to a potential breakdown later even in organization or you know the study skills as you mentioned Um, Um, So that makes a lot of sense. And that's nice that you have that available to be able to kind of follow them if they need it. Right, right. And we do help the kids, too, in high school with their test preparation Mm -hmm. and knowing that we have those strategies, you know, Mm -hmm. in place to also help on more fundamental skills that could be getting in the way of SAT and ACT success or just to help them, too, with the accommodations they may need for those tests. Right. No, that's wonderful. And um, accommodations is one thing I want to talk about um, in a minute here. But um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and um, we'll go back to that topic when we get back. So with that, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic Approach to Growth. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. 
To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm the host, Brooke Wagner here, and today I have with me Megan Treza, educational therapist, dyslexia specialist, and founder of La Jolla Learning Works, and we are talking about dyslexia, um, including how it presents itself and the types of supports available for these students, and um, I know I mentioned before the break we would talk about a little bit about accommodations, but before we do that, I want to um, talk about summer programs, and uh, I know summer is here, um, and uh, here at TAG, our clients really look forward to participating in our summer programming and I'd love to have you share with our listeners what kind of summer programs you offer at La Jolla Learning Works and how it varies from the support that you offer during the school year. Sure, sure. So everything we do at Learning Works right now is one-on-one. Um, so all of our programs are individualized, which allows us to just get the greatest benefit for the student in the shortest amount of time and to see real results for that child. Um, also knowing that it's a sensitive area that they're working on. It's their most challenging area, and we want them to always feel comfortable and build a rapport with their instructor and you know, feel encouraged and supported when they're working on areas of challenge, and they're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So there's none of the, the peer influence that might make them more anxious about that. So mm-hmm. summer is still one-on-one, but what we offer in the summertime, which is just amazing for kids who have learning disabilities or just who really struggle at school, is more intensive programs. So we see students Monday through Thursday, and we'll have students come in four days a week for one to two hours a day. And we'll be able to work with them and see, you know, a year to even two years of growth over the summer. So mm-hmm. it's just tremendous what we're able to get through for them. Um, and just to give you, you know, some anecdotes on it. And we've had a student who came in a couple years ago, right before the transition to middle school. So mm-hmm. it was before his sixth grade year. Mm-hmm. And his, his parents were obviously concerned about that and worried about his dyslexia and how it was going to affect his writing and his reading. And we put him through this two-hour-a-day, eight-week program, mm. and we didn't hear back from the family until SAT-ACT prep. Mm. Um, he did so well. We got you know positive feedback from them that mm-hmm. you know the transition was really smooth. But he went from you know really just using audiobooks and mm-hmm. having to rely on accommodations a lot to being an independent reader. And you know not the fastest reader, but it wasn't such a hurdle for him and he was able to get the rest of his schoolwork done so that's just tremendous Mm -hmm. that's wonderful and I love hearing those stories and you know that's just a testament to how you're impacting his life right you know and and just like you said emotionally in addition to academically so you know that's got to be such a confidence booster oh it's huge for their Mm self-esteem yeah and I think just having an obstacle and knowing that you can overcome it Mm. you know it's just such a life changer um, you know, it's, it's so, it's so important that, you know, our students know that, you know, nothing is not, is insurmountable, that they can overcome these things. Right. And I think, you know, when we talk a little bit more about the strength side of dyslexia, mm-hmm. just that struggle they go through mm-hmm. on its own becomes a strength when they have good support. Mm-hmm. And because like you said, they learn that they can face a challenge head on mm-hmm. and overcome it. Mm-hmm. And that through hard work and perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, they're able to overcome anything that comes their way. Right. 
Right. What a valuable life lesson. It really is. It really is. And I do think that shapes who we are as individuals. You know, those of us that, you know, really overcome obstacles and, and that's something that's that hard and that impactful yeah. is going to change how you see yourself. Right, right. Yeah. It's real resiliency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think that's that's beautiful that you get to witness and be a part of that experience. Um, now, I've heard you mention that... <clears throat> Dyslexia can affect multiple academic areas. Um, I'd love to have you share more about what that looks like. Sure. So, you know, dyslexia is typically thought of as a reading disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you think of school, there's a lot of different areas where you apply reading and writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So you think of social studies and science and kids have to read textbooks. They have to copy from the board. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to take notes. Mm-hmm. They have to do written, you know, answers. So it definitely affects just that content area. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, test taking, you're reading questions. And even in a math test, um, you're going to see answers that have words in them. Mm-hmm. And you have to choose the right answer. Um, so, you know, those areas definitely can be affected by dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And then just to think, we talked a little bit about that anxiety and that workload and if Mm -hmm. reading is hard for you and writing is hard for you homework takes so much longer and so it has that secondary effect on executive functioning Mm -hmm. Um, you know if you have so much more to manage in the same amount of time as everybody else Mm -hmm. it becomes overwhelming and so those kids need a lot more help with how to time manage how to prioritize and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes they're negotiating with teachers on what to actually cut out so they have less to do Mm -hmm. Um, the one other area where we see an overlap too is in math and learning math facts um, mm. because it's also a symbol that has a name. And connecting mm. symbols with names is something that affects kids with dyslexia in the same sense that learning a letter and naming that letter and associating it with a sound um, is related to their dyslexia. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't know that. And I love learning new information on these shows. And, um, you know, I think that's just so important for people to know because, you know, you may not necessarily think, oh, this child has dyslexia. Right. You know, if they're struggling with something like that. Yeah, we see a lot of kind of surprise diagnoses where the parents mm-hmm. didn't, didn't see it coming. Right. Yeah. I bet. Especially I bet. teachers, too. Absolutely. You know, I think that's why your services are so important um, as a supplement to what they're getting in school um, right. if their teachers aren't recognizing it um, right. because it is a specialty. You sure. Know, you really do need to know what to look for. So, you know, and that having that background that you have is just so essential to helping these kids. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. And then the other side of that is, you know, <coughs> teachers have full classrooms and mm-hmm. they have, you know, 30 students. And to really help a child with dyslexia requires one-on-one attention. Right. And working through this kind of a program, you know, is it's a back and forth process between the child and the instructor and being able to pace it appropriately. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to do that in, you know, a very small group setting mm-hmm. or one-on-one is the most effective way to, to make a change in a child's life. Right, right. And that makes sense why they would need to come to see you and, and that kind of a, a program versus in a large classroom. Right. It just seems like it's, it's not really that possible. Right. Um, now, I'd love to have you share about your take on the Common Core curriculum um, and how it has impacted kids with dyslexia. So that's an interesting one. I think it, you know, it, it gets at the, the question about Common Core in general um, mm-hmm. because you can make a political change, but then you know, the, what happens in implementation can be so different from what you know, the, in theory was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what's happened with Common Core. You know, it was, it's, a, 
it, it's a wonderful theory and it's a beautiful outline. Mm-hmm. Um, but most teachers haven't had enough time or training to implement it fully. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Common Core, there's, uh, there's some great guidelines for teaching reading and putting more emphasis on reading comprehension strategies and writing structure and strategies that would be so helpful for kids with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them without having the fundamental reading skills mm-hmm. um, and the help with that as a baseline to start with, um, they can't just jump into reading comprehension strategies. Mm-hmm. So what just, you know, for kids with dyslexia, the common core in a lot of ways has just made school harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and one area in particular that, that to me is a real shame is in math. Um, I saw a lot of kids with dyslexia who used to find solace in math. That was mm-hmm. the one area where, you know, they could do well mm-hmm. and the answers were black and white. Um, and now with Common Core, there's so much more reading and writing in math itself. So mm-hmm. many more word problems and a higher expectations for kids to explain and writing mm-hmm. their thinking process. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids um, who have dyslexia do more visualization. So they might not have explicit words attached to the process that they just went through through to solve a math problem. They just saw it in their head and, you know, they were able to come up with a solution. And so explaining that into words can be real hard. Mm -hmm. On top of that, some teachers will then grade them on spelling for a math test, Mm. right? And just their written response. So there's more challenges, I think, out there than, you know, solutions coming from Common Core in the implementation right now. Right. It sounds like we're going to have to, you know, as a, as a community, come up with some solutions for these kids in the classroom when it comes to Common Core. Yeah. Um, because you're not really testing that true ability to explain their work. You're testing their, you know, kind of their breakdown area. Right. I mean, and the goal is to get it critical thinking, higher level thinking skills. That, that's the goal with Common Core. So like you said, you mm-hmm. know, if they have that impediment with just the basic reading and writing, mm-hmm. they're not getting at that higher level, you know, information um, mm-hmm. and, you know, critical thinking that right. that would be so beneficial. Right. Right. Oh, that's got to be so hard yeah. for these kids. Um, yeah. I mean, I know that Common Core has been a challenge for a lot of people, um, but that makes a lot of sense why that would be particularly challenging for these students. And um, now I want to make sure we get to accommodations. So it'd be great to hear you share some um, helpful accommodations that you recommend parents asking for in the school setting. Sure. And and this really, you know, dovetails well with the talk about Common Core because, mm-hmm. There are things that teachers can do that parents can request, um, ways that parents can help at home to make the burden a lot less on their child, um, even in this Common Core environment. Mm-hmm. Um, things like audiobooks. And I think they're downplayed a lot. And just the fact that we have the technology so accessible for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there are websites, um, tools like Learning Ally and Bookshare, mm-hmm. where kids with learning disabilities can get access to textbooks. And, you know, all those different books they're going to have to read for their English classes mm-hmm. um, in audio format. Mm. which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where they can get audiobooks, I know a lot of kids with dyslexia have done very well in accessing that as a resource. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, there's also some tools that kids can use for writing. Um, There's an app called Mm CoWriter, and it helps with predicting the spelling for kids who struggle with spelling. 
And there's also just other word predictive software tools that you can use as a plug-in with Word. Mm -hmm. So teaching typing skills is really important for these kids so that they're able to access those technology tools for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, just as far as accommodations and the approach that teachers are going to take with these students, Mm -hmm. so a lot of it needs to be around lessening the anxiety Mm -hmm. and also, like we were saying, you know, to evaluate them on content and thinking rather than those areas where they, of course, are going to struggle more, like spelling and punctuation. Right. Um, so I always like to talk to teachers about grading kids for the content mm-hmm. and maybe to, you know, circle and point out, you know, three to five words that the child can actually focus on learning for spelling mm-hmm. rather than just marking their paper up, you know, and right. covering it with red ink that just makes a child feel bad right. and causes that emotional shutdown where they're then not having the opportunity to take the next step and learn from their mistakes. Right. So that I think is just an important approach for teachers. Mm -hmm. And then another thing too is um, as far as the anxiety is, you know, where kids are going to be reading in class and participating in that way, you know, not to leave these kids out, but to, you know, give them some opportunity to prepare, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, letting them know in advance, you know, the night before that they can read a section that they might be then reading out loud in class, Mm -hmm. um, something like that, or, you know, just to give them a couple minutes heads up, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have you read this next paragraph so that child has a chance to read ahead and scan Mm -hmm. over it make sure there aren't any tricky words in it that they're going to get stuck on while reading out loud in class Mm -hmm. absolutely now do you go into the classroom and support I know you mentioned that you um, you do connect with the teachers so Mm -hmm. what what do you offer at La Jolla Learning Works to support the teachers sure so we actually will connect with teachers for every new student that we see Mm -hmm. Um, we'll do a little interview with them to get their feedback because we of course value their input and Mm -hmm. you know what they're able to see and you know the long school day hours you know is a lot more than what we get in an hour a couple times a week during the school year Mm -hmm. so we always want their feedback and then um, we do email session reports after every time the child comes in with us and we'll Mm -hmm. copy the teachers on those Mm -hmm. and we encourage them to give us feedback so we'll also kind of just schedule you know monthly check-ins with the teachers in case they haven't had a chance to respond to our session reports so that we're keeping them in the loop Mm -hmm. Um, but as a more direct service we have students that we support at private schools Mm -hmm. um, where we will send in um, one of our instructors to go and be the child's educational coach and either do a pull out and do the educational therapy during the school day Mm -hmm. or it's more of a push-in and they support the child in the classroom Um, sometimes they'll be there and you know kind of give some support to other students who need help but Mm -hmm. they can interface with a teacher and you know Mm -hmm. really know immediately what the child's struggling on in class and you know some of those kids will come to us after school too so we're able to then help them you know in making that connection from the classroom to their homework and Mm -hmm. you know working on any skills that we see on the side that need remediation. No, that's wonderful. I think that is so essential because you really are taking a team approach. Absolutely. That's really at the core of educational therapy is being Mm -hmm. able to collaborate with other professionals and Mm -hmm. serving as a facilitator for that collaboration. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't know that. And I think that's just such an an essential part of having effective and quality care. And, um, you know, I bet that hopefully the teachers really value and appreciate all that you're doing to support their student in the classroom. Absolutely. We get great feedback from the teachers and, you know, they are really appreciative of our work oh that's great now do the parents have to formally request 
request these accommodations? So it depends on the school, but typically, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, with a private school setting, we see a lot of kids in private schools. Um, There may be, you know, a less formal process, and it might just Mm -hmm. be about meeting with the teacher or talking to the principal. Mm -hmm. Um, But in a public school setting, I think it is important to go through and, you know, make sure you have an IEP in place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the parents are going to those meetings. We'll go with parents to those meetings just to help with outlining and, you know, helping the teachers understand what would be good, you know, recommendations to include in that IEP plan. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so essential. And that's great that you're able to go and support the IEP process as well. And that's another way to to really collaborate as a team. And you you mentioned briefly... um, you know, that being the core of educational therapy. So um, we're going to have to go to break in just a few minutes, but um, I'd love to have you just share a little bit more about educational therapy. We haven't talked about it yet on the show, but that is your background um, in addition to the dyslexia um, specialty. And so it would be great um, for our listeners just to hear what an educational therapist role is. Sure. Yeah. So educational therapy is really um, a private field. Um, so it, it has some overlap with, say, like a school psychologist, um, with a resource teacher in a public school or a learning specialist in a private school. Um, and usually um, educational therapists are coming from those backgrounds and then pursuing that further education. Okay. Um, or there's a few different programs where you can actually go through and do a master's degree um, in educational therapy instead of the master's degree and then the certificate on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is, it's really about collaboration mm. and case management. So being able to pull together other resources for a child and support that child then as their advocate in a way, mm-hmm. um, as they're going through school. Okay. Um, and then to provide more of a prescriptive approach um, in, you know, um, educational interventions, remediation, accommodation, mm-hmm. um, based on that individual's needs. So mm-hmm. it's very individualized. It's about looking at the child, doing some assessment, um, you know, doing a thorough background and, you know, case history review mm-hmm. so that you really understand the full scope of what the child's facing. Mm-hmm. And then moving from there and, you know, integrating in the other professionals and, you know, working with the child on whatever specific skills they need to, you know, grow so that they can be successful in school. Oh, that's wonderful. No, yeah. I'm so glad I had you share because um, that, that provided me with some really good insight. And um, and so that would be, um, would an example of that also be um, when you recommend like, you know, our OT services here? Sure. Know, absolutely. Like that. Yeah. That is, um, you know, we'll refer out for OT, for speech therapy, mm-hmm. sometimes for more specific counseling or, you know, mm-hmm. psychological support, sometimes for further testing and evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's other things like sleep or diet Mm -hmm. and nutrition because those things can get in the way of learning too. Absolutely. No, that's wonderful. And that's just, um, you know, great that the families not only have your center, but have, you know, your eyes on, you know, what their child may need. Yeah. You know, because it does take you know, a holistic approach to, to treatment to really be effective. Right. You know, many times. Right. And so. that's, you know, that's my approach to life and living a healthy, satisfied life. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something I feel really blessed to be able to share with other families to help them provide that for their children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and um, we will be back in just a few minutes. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the research um, that you've shared with me regarding Uh, the strengths of individuals with dyslexia. So um, with that, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Mm 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic approach to growth. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm host Brooke Wagner here, and today I have with me Megan Treza, educational therapist, dyslexia specialist, and founder of La Jolla Learning Works, and we are discussing dyslexia, including how it presents itself and the types of supports available for these students. And during the break, we were talking a little bit about um, standardized testing, and I know with Common Core, there is a lot of emphasis on testing, so I want to make sure we talk about that because I'm sure that's another issue that comes up. Absolutely. Yeah. So with testing, um, of course, there's just the stress that a child feels and being evaluated mm-hmm. um, on top of already feeling like they're not the best student. Mm-hmm. Um, to put it lightly, sometimes they feel like they're the worst student. Right. Um, so to then be evaluated with their peers, they're always nervous about what's going to happen with the results and, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to see it. So, you know, sometimes that in itself can be enough to just get them to shut down on a test. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can imagine it's stressful. So I think very open communication with these kids is really important, you know, and letting them know the purpose of the testing and, mm-hmm. you know, that it's just about the teachers getting information so they know how to help the child and Mm -hmm. really to kind of shelter them from the talk that's out there in the media too about comparing schools and comparing teachers and comparing students Mm because they don't need that you know added stress they just don't Um, but Mm -hmm. as far as you know some more tactical ways that we can help them um, you know putting accommodations into place for them some of these Mm -hmm. kids you know can have IEPs where they're allowed to have tests orally administered. Mm -hmm. So somebody could take them into a private, quiet room and read them directions out loud and where the rest of the class may be required to read it silently. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just to have them take the test 
in a quiet setting where they're not worried about how long it's taking them and, you know, getting nervous with seeing other kids finish or just that noise or distraction as other kids kind of wrestle around the room with their pencils and papers when they finish the test. Mm -hmm. So those are some important things, I think, to make sure are written into the IEP. Mm -hmm. And if it's, you know, a less formal situation, a private school, just to talk to the teachers and administrators about making sure that they have those those items in place to help the child be successful on the tests and, you know, where they can just have the child be exempt because, you know, it's not going to really give information that's, you know, going to be timely enough for the teacher to use. Um, hey, opt them out of the test. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, the, can the same be done for the SATs? So for SAT, um, one thing we do encourage students to do is to try an SAT and an ACT, mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes an ACT test may be easier for a child who has dyslexia. Um, SATs traditionally been the more reading heavy test. Mm-hmm. And so with an ACT, students with dyslexia may find that it's easier to get through it because there's just less reading content, even in the way the questions are written. Mm-hmm. Um, but kids who have learning disabilities can apply for accommodations on those tests. Mm-hmm. So the same sort of things. They can apply to have extended time on tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they get accommodations, they're then taking it in a different setting. So it's a quiet room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less distractions. Um, and, you know, we've had students where they're able to take the test. And you know, if you think of doing time and a half on an ACT, that then makes it a six-hour test. Mm-hmm. They're not required to do that all in one setting. Mm-hmm. So we've had students where they're able to take that test in as many settings as they need. Um, So they can go in and take it, say, split over three different settings in two-hour segments. Right. So that makes a huge difference um, Mm -hmm. just in your stamina and your ability to get through the test. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, beyond that, you know, a lot of it is just looking at the skills that are underlying and making sure that some good time is put in up front, Mm -hmm. you know, in the years prior to those tests to help that child so it's not just a a huge shock to the system when they jump into the the testing. Um, The other side of that too is that you can't necessarily just get accommodations for a test Mm. without having a paper trail and having a history of using accommodations. Mm. So it's important to, you know, look at that, you know, a few years before, Mm -hmm. um, because if, if that child may need those accommodations to take the test and get a competitive score, you know, for college, um, they're going to need to start sooner than, you know, junior year of high school. Right. No, that's really important. Um, And it sounds like, you know, what it's affording the kids is the opportunity to really show their abilities. Right. um, As opposed to, you know, their uh, stress around a test. Exactly. Exactly. And that's really what we want, you know, at the end of the day. Um, So that's wonderful. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. Now, we've talked a little bit about um, how there is research on the strengths of individuals with dyslexia. And I'm just really curious to learn about this and I'm excited to have you share more because I haven't heard about this before. Sure. I mean, it is an exciting thing to share because, you know, those kids who struggle in school need to also have the validation of what they're good at and Mm -hmm. where their, you know, inherent super powers lie. Mm -hmm. And um, two 
two pediatricians, um, Brock and Fernet Eide, um, started, they wrote a book called The Dyslexic Advantage, and then they, they created this website and kind of started this community um, mm-hmm. that's been really delving into understanding and then, you know, disseminating the mm-hmm. strengths around dyslexics. And um, what you find, because as I was explaining of what causes dyslexia really is a difference in the brain, mm-hmm. um, that difference also lends to a number of strengths. So um, the difference that students have with dyslexia in reading, where they have a harder time with processing the sounds and symbols, um, that really stems from the fact that their brain leans towards kind of whole picture thinking. Mm -hmm. And so that means visual spatial strengths. Mm -hmm. So these are kids who can, you know, understand concepts um, really well. Um, Just to give an example, you know, Albert Einstein was said to have been dyslexic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in his visual spatial abilities of, you know, coming Mm -hmm. up with these brilliant principles of physics, Mm -hmm. um, those are things that, you know, for me as a typical learner, a string, you know, with strengths in reading, writing, language skills, that doesn't come naturally for me. Um, I can't conceptualize that as well. So I can really appreciate the strength that somebody has and being able to readily, you know, understand those concepts of, you know, gravity and and movement and motion Mm -hmm. and particles that are beyond our vision Mm -hmm. to see. Um, So that's something that's really incredible. Um, Beyond that, just things that are hands on um, Mm -hmm. and require, you know, a connection between, you know, what you can do with your hands and what you see in your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So things like architecture, engineering, Mm-hmm. Art. Mm-hmm. Um, those are also areas where individuals with dyslexia often thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and another area that I think is pretty cool is social skills mm-hmm. um, because they're more intuitive. Um, and sometimes, you know, it may come from the fact that they need to use their peers more for help through school. Right. Um, that, you know, their coping strategy becomes their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's actually then in the research where they show that that actually is kind of built into that brain type where they're a little more intuitive mm-hmm. um, and they have good memories for things like visuals um, of people's faces mm-hmm. or, you know, remembering special things about a person that can help to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty cool. And I think, you know, what you see in the real world are these people um, who really thrive when they get beyond school. And I have, you know, some friends actually, mm-hmm. um, especially in being a business owner and connecting with other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I've been able to meet a number of highly successful people. Um, and it's pretty awesome in my business group where people will come up to me and mm-hmm. say, you know, off on the side, like, oh, you, you know, help people with dyslexia. That's so awesome. I have dyslexia, mm-hmm. you know, and or my child has dyslexia because I have dyslexia and what do I do to help and you know but seeing their success stories um, manifest their strengths is really awesome um, so I have a friend who's a brilliant real estate agent mm-hmm. um, and she you know struggled so much all through school and she still you know hates reading out loud um, but she's a brilliant negotiator mm-hmm. and you know building the relationships you need for a real estate business mm-hmm. I mean she is just a whiz at that mm-hmm. and you know she'll send me her marketing materials to proofread uh-huh. um, but you know the idea she comes up with for marketing as you know these just huge you know strategies and campaigns are, are so beyond what you know I would ever 
think of. Right. So it's pretty awesome. That's so amazing. And it'd be so great to have, you know, those individuals that are highly successful and that struggled but are now highly successful to be able to share their story with these students. Just think, you know, it's not that, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be done with school eventually. Right. And then you have your whole life ahead of you. And, you know, things will be different. Sure. The the parameters will be different. And, you know, what's expected of you. And all these strengths will be could be amazing gifts. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, have those role models, too. is So important. Yeah. You know, you you can just do a Google search, you know, for famous people with (laughs) dyslexia. And I know Mm -hmm. a lot of kids, when they get the diagnosis, um, they like to do that. And, you know, that's wonderful. They can see a lot of actors and actresses with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, visual, spatial, social skills, intuition, all of that comes into play in acting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in Hollywood you'll find with dyslexia, too. Yeah, that's so interesting. No, I love that. And I think it... It really does, you know, give them that hope that, you know, this is something that they have, but it can also bring a lot to the table for them. Right. You know? And I think it's also really important to just acknowledge that, you know, as you mentioned, that it, it is going to require some some heavy work, right. you know, on the obstacles and to acknowledge that that's powerful and that's important and they are going to have to do that, but that's going to be something that's a part of who they, they are and it's going to make them stronger in life. Sure, sure. And, you know, and... And talking to kids who are facing these struggles and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling the emotional impact of it in the moment, um, maybe a little hard to, to rationalize mm-hmm. the benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to just explain that everybody has something they have to totally. work on. I mean, I don't have dyslexia, but that doesn't mean I haven't had my own difficulties and mm-hmm. struggles and have had to seek help from other people at different times. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the big benefits for those kids is knowing, you know, whether it's somebody working on their pitch in, you know, softball or baseball or, Mm -hmm. you know, working on their chess game, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be, you know, we all seek help at different times for the areas that we want to be better at. Right. Absolutely. No, I think that's such an amazing message to be able to give them and to to really uh, internalize. Um, Now, I would love to have you share one of your most memorable success stories. I'm sure you have many, but I'd love to have you share um, one that stands out to you the most. Wow. Well, so many come to mind, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely one above above them them all that um, is just so dear to my heart. It was the last student that I worked with before I really worked myself out of the the direct therapy role. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a student I started working with him when he was in seventh grade. And he was designated as a seminar student Mm. in the La Jolla Public Schools, which means that he was the top 99th percentile um, as far as the gate testing. Mm. So highly intelligent kid. Mm -hmm. He was also diagnosed with ADHD, dyslexia, and dysgraphia, which is a learning disability affecting your ability to to write Mm -hmm. the handwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he had quite an interesting, you know, composition there in his profile of strengths and weaknesses and when I met him in seventh grade he didn't even feel the strengths Mm -hmm. he had no idea is he was so overwhelmed with the challenges Mm -hmm. and we started out worked on his reading skills his writing skills the organization executive function skills that came along with that ADHD on top of the learning disabilities and eventually got him through to high school where I was able to help him really understand his strengths and he found a love and a real talent in chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so he started taking more science classes, more math classes, and finding that school got easier as he kind of shifted into that area and had less reading and writing. Mm-hmm. And then I actually encouraged him at one point to not take another AP class or another, you know, tough 
you know, homework kind of class, mm-hmm. but to build something fun into his schedule. And he chose ceramics and it was, it was a little, we had a little resistance to it, mm-hmm. um, but he really found a talent there too. And so he, um, he's now at UC Davis mm-hmm. and he works in their ceramics lab mm-hmm. and does kind of a work trade for use of their kiln and clay. And on the side, he sells his amazing pottery pieces Oh my gosh. and he's majoring in chemistry and, you know, he got his accommodations at school all on his own through self-advocacy and mm-hmm. he's really thriving. That's so beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just got the chills. I mean, it sounds like his, his life is full. His you life know? is so full. And that's all you can ask for. It's right. just a high quality of life. You Absolutely. have meaning to give back. And it's amazing. And had he not seen you, he wouldn't be doing all those amazing things very, very likely. Yeah, it's so. a little even just daunting to think of the impact, but it's right. it's been tremendous. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Well, we're going to have to wrap up, but I want to make sure that you have a chance to share uh, how people can learn about La Jolla Learning Works. And if they can't, if they're not local, is there anything else that they could, any other resources available? Sure, absolutely. So, So as far as La Jolla Learning Works, um, we have a wonderful website. We have a blog that I post to every month, um, and that's just at www.ljlearningworks.com. You can also find us at Facebook. So just look up La Jolla Learning Works. Mm -hmm. You'll find our Facebook page. And I'm under Megan Treza on LinkedIn. So all of those places are where I can be found online. Um, But if you are unable to access our help locally, um, I strongly recommend connecting with the International Dyslexia Association. Mm -hmm. Um, They have branches all across the U.S., and one of their primary purposes is to serve as a source of information Mm -hmm. and referrals. So if you contact your local branch, they should be able to help you connect with service providers in your community who are trained in Orton-Gillingham and who know how to help kids with dyslexia. Okay, wonderful. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And um, this is wonderful having you on the show today. And I just I feel like I learned so much hearing you talk. And I just really appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And, you know, I just am so happy to be able to share this information with others out there and hopefully connect with somebody who's struggling and give them some optimism and hope for, you know, a lot of success ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that, we're going to close and um, we'll be back next Tuesday, 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth and join Brooke Wagner again every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.